I. Hi. This is basically Morgan's child. This episode. Why? Because it's about Brexit. No. Morgan's favorite podcast is... This one. No, it's not this one. I'm so sorry to break it to everyone. No, this is the only podcast that exists. <laughs> His favorite podcast is Brexit I think you're more excited than I am. Because you're an you so? arch-Brexiteer, you know, you love Brexit. Um, <laughs> so you're going to tell the people about how great it's going to be. Definitely, no. But to be fair, Brexit hasn't had much of an effect on me, so far at least. Except it's gotten cheaper for me to live here. Good for you, I guess. <laughs> you're just sitting there like, I don't really care. No, 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 obviously I care. I'm just saying, we're talking about how it's been affecting students and professors and stuff like that. And for me, like, it's brought some uncertainty, of course, but it, it hasn't been the worst thing that could happen. It hasn't been as bad as people are telling me when I was leaving to the UK in 2017. And everyone's like, oh, aren't you worried about Brexit? So we should probably talk about what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Brexit. We're going to talk about Brexit and how it influences schools, universities, professors, and students. How, how has Brexit affected you so far? It, it makes me very worried. You know, I think to this point, it's more to do with how you see things going in the future, as opposed to, because obviously it hasn't actually happened yet. Yeah, yeah. But it makes things very uncertain in the future. But I try to be an optimist about it. But... I mean, it's definitely going to happen. That's the first thing I should probably mention. Had you considered before Brexit and everything to, like, study your master's or something in the EU? Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that now? Has it changed? I actually feel kind of the same. Yeah? I think if I was looking to, like, work in the EU, it'd be more of a concern for me. Like, it's still possible. It might just take more paperwork and money. I think I think losing your mind over it when you're not really... In control of it. Yeah. yeah. And, and you don't know what's going to happen. It's Yeah. Yeah, so I try not to think about it. <laughs> That's my answer, which is probably not very insightful. <laughs> to be fair, that's kind of been me since halfway through 2017. It's also absolutely exhausting because it's been three and a half years. Um, a lot of things have happened and changed since. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Today, our three guests are Eloise from Scotland, Ravsan from Romania, and then Dr. Malcolm Harvey at the end. Now we've got our first guest on, Eloise from Scotland. Hello. Hello. Do you want to just introduce yourself quickly? Okay, I'm Eloise uh, from Scotland, as you said. I study English literature. I'm a third year student. Exactly. And you just came back from exchange? Yeah, exactly. Yes, just in the Netherlands. So, what do you think about Brexit? I mean, without, like, swearing, (laughs) um, (laughs) I'm not a fan of it. It's been, like, a really confusing, slightly stressful experience on both my personal life and also, I feel, the whole country. And you couldn't vote during the referendum, right? I couldn't vote. I was... You've been 17. Yeah, I was 17. Yeah. So you're not a fan? Yes. Yes. Do you think that how you, what you think about Brexit has sort of changed now as compared to 2016? I think I wasn't as informed in 2016. I think mostly just because I couldn't vote, so I didn't really hmm. make the effort, which is maybe a bit of a shame. Uh, but then now I was more engaged in it for sure. So yeah, I don't think it's changed too much. Like either way, like I never wanted it. So has it factored into any of your decision making, you know, over the last few years? Yeah, I would say so, because I've always been someone that's wanted to live abroad, and I've loved kind of the idea of living on the European continent, and then now that's kind of not seeming as like a realistic idea, or at least it'll be a bit harder, so that's kind of of a shame, like um, when planning my future, I don't have to be like, oh, it's not as easy to just like move to France for a few years or whatever. Were you considering doing a master's in Europe before? Uh, yeah, maybe. Like, I was even once considering doing my undergraduate in Europe, but I never actually ended up doing that. But then I was like, maybe my master's. But then, 
now that's going to be a bit more difficult so yeah yeah was there ever any uncertainty about you uh, going on Erasmus? yes yes how's that um, experience well not so much on actually going on Erasmus but more getting the grant yeah, yeah as well that was a bit annoying because um that's one of the attractive things about going on Erasmus instead of going on like a more international exchange is you get a grant which is super helpful but then the university the government nobody seemed to know if we were going to get that grant and also it was kind of like do I need to get a visa when I'm over there if like you know it changes um healthcare so was, yeah healthcare <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah there was so much uncertainty and there was little information because nobody knew like I even like emailed the Erasmus desk and they were like I'm sorry like we don't know anything so, so you just kind of left to yourself exactly yeah. yeah when you were in Holland what did the people that you were with sort of talk to you about Brexit about I think one thing that stuck in my mind was um I had a few Dutch friends that really wanted to go on an Erasmus exchange next year and they really really wanted to go to the UK but then that's not possible for them anymore because of both the cost and also just the uncertainty so that was such a shame because I was like you know I love going to university in the UK and like I'd wish that they could experience that too but that's not really it's quite it's a bit of an anxiety to apply for an Erasmus in the UK. It seems like a common denominator that the issue isn't so much the thing of Brexit, of course it's an issue, but it's mainly the uncertainty so you're not informed enough to then make a decision on what you're going to do in your future and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah like it's just so much uncertainty and it's just yeah. very little information, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Do you think it's more certain now, particularly after the election? Um, At the very minimum, that it's obviously going to happen. Yeah, I would say so, yeah, because I think before the fact that we didn't even know if it was going to happen was super uncertain. But now it's going to happen, even though like I don't want it to happen, it's kind of a little bit of a stress relief just because, like, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen, and at least we know. And at least it's going to be over, like, the entire process of it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it's been the entire time we've been at uni. Yeah, literally. Exactly. exactly yeah. So like, it feels like forever. It's just been Brexit, Brexit. Yeah, and in every mm. single lecture and every single course. I don't yeah. know, how was it actually studying English? Do you guys talk about it a lot then with your professors and stuff? Um, surprisingly, not so much here, actually. Like, we're kind of more focused on, like, <laughs> you know, literature and, like, the kind of old times <laughs> before. Um, but actually, it came up quite a lot in my course um, in the Netherlands as well. Yeah. Like, I think one of my teachers was really interested in it. Um, and it also came up, we did like an Irish literature course in the Netherlands. And that was interesting because my teacher kind of compared the problems in Ireland to like the kind of Scottish wishes for independence and Brexit and things. So that was really interesting as well. And he would always ask me questions about Brexit. And I was like, um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, not here to defend my entire country, but thank you. Well, yeah. Do you yeah. think that, they have, that there's generally a pretty decent level of understanding of what's going on uh, in Europe? Because when I went to Holland, it was in uh, September of 2016 mm. and the question was just like what the hell's going on yeah um, why are you doing this to us which i tried my best to answer but of course you, even i didn't know really what exactly was going on i don't think anyone did do you think that there's you know that, that they're asking you questions and you're getting the impression that they get what understand the situation or do they there's more misunderstanding now I think it depends the person really like there's a lot of people that I met that weren't really very politically involved yeah. in their own country let alone in other countries they didn't really know much about it but then I had some friends that were like really interested in politics um like I had one friend and he like he said that on his um news app was constantly things about Brexit and he actually yeah. knew like some things about Brexit that I didn't quite know so that was quite interesting and like I I don't know I always felt like Brexit even though it does affect the EU it wasn't as much talked about but like 
they're really invested in it as well. Like they really kind of most people don't want it to happen, and they're definitely speaking about it, like on their news and everything. Yeah, so I say it's like a big economic concern in most European countries mm. in terms of trade and how you like build new mechanisms to keep up the trade afterwards. Like, yeah, I know we started like expanding our ports and stuff like that because of Brexit. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's on the topic of everyone's mind. I think also yeah. like on an emotional level as well because. A lot of people really like the UK and like being able to go to the UK. So people yeah. were just sad that we're leaving, you know. Like, yeah. was that the prevailing emotion that you picked up on when you were there? Yeah, I never met anybody that was like, "We want you gone." Right. Well, everybody kind of yeah. seemed a bit sad about the whole situation yeah. at the very okay. least. Yeah. Interesting. And um, I, so you you go to university with us here at Aberdeen, and we mm-hmm. have a, a big part of the student body being from the European Union. Mm-hmm. How would you feel about a future where that might not be as much of the case? Like, how would that have changed your university experience? Um, I think that'd be really sad. Like, I feel like going to this university because it's so international. It's just kind of opened up, like, expanded my mind and point of view. And like, most of my friends here are internationals as well, so I wouldn't have met them. And it's just super interesting. Like, I feel like if we just hang out with people that are just from Scotland, you don't really get a good worldly view. So it's so nice meeting people from different countries and cultures. And it just kind of adds a bit of colour to Aberdeen, you know, like, I feel like it would just, it wouldn't be the same if we didn't have these international students, for sure. When you think about your own, like, personal future um, and, you know, potentially moving to Europe, like you said, you wanted to... Mm Is is your biggest concern these purely sort of logistical, really like almost legal challenges where it just becomes harder for you to actually do things? Or are you more worried about the kind of the fundamental relationship between like Britain and Europe that if you were to go to Europe, say, you would feel a lot further away? Or is mm. it just those like concrete barriers that are put in place by Brexit? So like legal versus mm. community? I would say probably mostly legal was yeah. kind of what I was thinking. Because I feel like people from America coming to Europe are always really welcomed and obviously other countries, like any country. Um, so I don't think that's so much an issue. I think it's more just like, I was thinking logistically, that's going to be a bit difficult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's also kind of interesting because I had this discussion with some of my international friends on my exchange. And it was the idea of like, that British people don't think of themselves as European. Like you just said, like moving to Europe. And I said this to one of my international friends and she was like, you already live in Europe from the UK. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like I know, but like, because I feel there is a little bit of a gap between well, there's continental Europeans. Gap. There's a little gap, yeah, yeah, between continental Europeans and British. So I wouldn't feel culturally that would change. Because like, as much as I like being a part of Europe, it's funny that I still don't think of myself as a European. I think mm. of myself as British. So would you still go if you could? To? To Europe, to anywhere. You said you wanted yeah. to live in Paris, right? Yeah, that'd yeah. be so cool. Yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Like, I still really want to. It's and I'll try and find a way. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's not as easy because I kind of pitched I would just be able to, like, go. <laughs> like, but I think I'll still try and get around it. Like, I don't want it to stop my future prospects. How about your friends? Have any of them talked about, like, their concerns about Brexit, being international students and stuff? I was actually talking to, one of my, uh, to my friend just an hour ago about it. I don't think she's too stressed out about it, like there's some paperwork that has to be done that kind of seems a little bit iffy and and like it's a bit confusing like there's not be enough information about it but i think they're okay like they maybe just try not to be too stressed about it because there's nothing really they can do so among the europeans that you're talking to i'm assuming most of them are in sort of the third year yeah. coming towards the end of their university mm-hmm. degree do you feel as though that they feel a bit relieved that their 
in third year now and that they're not say first years and that they won't really have to face the bulk of the consequences of brexit yeah i would say definitely that's the case it's a lot easier because especially like i feel brexit's gonna be a slow process like they're not gonna just be like right these are the rules you know you guys leave like it's gonna be gradual so i think they've definitely got a bit of an advantage as well and um i think scotland are a bit more welcoming to internationals i don't really know how much power they have over the fact like I just know Nicola Sturgeon was saying, you know, like, if you're a student, you can stay for longer. I don't know if that's going to actually be able to be put into place. But, yeah, yeah, I feel like definitely it's more of an advantage to be a third year. Yeah, being a first year could be quite stressful right now, I feel like. Yeah, or even, like, the future first years that are applying. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know how that works for them. I mean, do you get a sense of the timescale of what's kind of going on right now? Like, obviously, we've just had the withdrawal agreement been ratified and it'll come into effect in a couple of days but do you Mm. think when do you really perceive that the bulk of this kind of brexit transformation will take place i don't know i don't picture it being something very like right away like um maybe in a year time or something we'll feel it like because there's so much that they have to sort out we've not really been told anything like we've not been told we need to get new passports or i don't really know like (laughs) how seriously they're gonna do this but i've not really heard much about it to be honest recently does like, it feel real to you not really to be no. honest like <laughs> no, that's what i was thinking it doesn't really yeah. feel very real to me like at the time when it was all over the news and it was constantly every time you'd go like on either like a news app or even just twitter or facebook it'd be like brexit 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 yeah. it seemed kind of more real but then now that boris johnson's been officially elected nobody's really not nobody but like people don't seem to be speaking about it that much anymore like there's other topics so i kind of forget about it sometimes and then it's just just like the length of the entire process has made people care less i'd say at least yeah that's my experience like people it. are just so over it yeah like over even, brexit <laughs> exactly yeah like even when i was on my exchange like i just couldn't bring myself to like look at my news app because it was just so <laughs> stressful and just so much like crap that was going on oh. and i was just like i don't really want to you know I don't want to look at this. It's just too much. Thank you, Eloise. Thank you so much for talking. Thank you for having me. So that was Eloise there, talking about Brexit. Yeah. I feel a lot of the same ways, really. Yeah, that makes sense, to be fair. Sort of fatigued, uncertain, absolutely. And also just a bit like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I feel like uncertainty in general will probably be a theme because that's been the most annoying part, just like not knowing what's actually going to happen. Because yeah. <laughs> you can't really make plans for the future. You can't make an action plan of what you're going to do when it happens or anything. You can just sit there and wait for yeah. someone else to make decisions that are going to affect your life, maybe. And just talking to the Dutch kids, being like, this is yeah. so sad. Weren't you like, when you went to to uh, the Netherlands, weren't you like attacked almost with like Brexit questions in the beginning? I mean, I wasn't attacked, first of all. <laughs> physically or otherwise <laughs> i was i ha- there was a lot of questions yes yeah i'm just trying to remember i feel like at least it was a long time ago <laughs> in the beginning when i came home from scotland like for the f- first summer break and whatnot everyone would ask me oh what's going on about brexit because they like assumed that because yeah. i was there like i'd know more than them was, yeah they, they, which isn't yeah. the case <laughs> like it was a very big thing that yeah. just happened yeah. like it had just happened like a few months before because it was june 23rd so it's uh, july august so it's like two yeah. months basically exactly um and that was during the whole they were they were very confused and which is still the case and yeah. now i think that for, from what eloise was saying they're more sad than confused 
because at the very least again like we mentioned you, there's a million and one things that you don't know what's going to happen one thing that you do know what's going to happen is that brexit's going to happen so yeah but it seems like people have just become okay with the uncertainty like in the confusion so it just doesn't really? yeah do like mean? not okay like they've just gotten so used to not actually knowing what's going on with brexit that it's less you mean british people annoying now no like everyone in general right okay which is why i i feel like people seem more yeah less questioning about it i guess yeah so first of all how do you pronounce your name right so my name is pronounced razvan okay Right. Great. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, right. So my name is Razvan, as I mentioned. <laughs> uh, I'm from Romania, a city close to uh, Bucharest. What do you study? Uh, I do economics. This is my fourth year. Oh, uh, wow. Yes. It's been a switch for me. Uh, before, I've been doing literature in high school, so it's kind of an interesting thing out there. So wow. being a fourth year, you will have started to study here in in september of 2016 is that right uh, it's actually 2015 uh, yes. because i spent one year in germany but that's ah. a longer story uh, okay. for another time okay so wow. you were committed to aberdeen prior to this brexit referendum uh, yes that's right yes so i knew nothing about it at okay. the time and then it in the middle of your studies this thing happens yeah exactly. and how did that make you feel first of all i i was overwhelmed by the recklessness of the decision at a political level because after all everything started with the ambition of a party to prove a point which misses the point of actually holding a referendum for brexit yeah um, so that made me feel very disappointed about it and outraged of course of the decision making but yeah was there any concern for your sort of your own personal circumstances like did you worry that things might change for you whilst you're studying here in my life as a student i would say no uh, i didn't have a concern because I, I knew that there would be a transition period and also the period in, the, in which they would need to sign an agreement so there wasn't a concern yeah my side if, if you were say a prospective student now would you view coming to the uk in a different light as opposed to you know four years ago um more certainly i would because it would be this difference of not knowing what to expect so the unpredictable would make me feel concerned about the situation and some of the concerns would be um, will i be treated the same as people were, were treated before will the international community be as big as before because this is one of the reasons i chose aberdeen for the international community yeah um, so one of those things, uh, if I would be able to get a part-time job, exactly. would be the main thing. Like, so some of the practical stuff, but also some of the community. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that the UK will become a sort of fundamentally different place to study in for people like yourself when Brexit acts ev eventually actually comes about? I think that's a really interesting question. Um, I think a lot of things are at stake. Um, one of the things, I mean, the impacts that I would see happening would be the fact that the international community and EU-based uh, students, prospective students, would decrease. So that yeah. would not be as big. So kind of the student atmosphere on campus would definitely change. I'm sure about that. From other points of view, also from an academic perspective, uh, the kind of stuff that are going to teach, um, that would be... It wouldn't be such a big diversity, culturally speaking. So that's a, this is a spectrum I would look at. Yeah, That is actually quite interesting. How about any of your friends? How have they been feeling about the situation and the uncertainty? 
Right. So um, my friends, uh, they divide into two parts. Yeah. Um, I have friends that um, have studied here. Um, they faced Brexit. Um, they accepted it and they moved on and uh, went on to work um, here uh, in Scotland, most okay. of them. Uh, so they, they've taken it lightly, at least on a short-term period. Um, another... Uh, group of my friends, the other, the second one, they looked at it as a threat uh, for the future. So uh, would this lock me in in some way and prevent me from getting a job in continental Europe? Yeah. Uh, would this affect uh, prices of goods, my purchasing power and my ability to get a job? Because employers would have a difficult time themselves of seeing what is the regulatory background of this can i employ is it more difficult to employ a foreign person and why would i get into the trouble of doing that if it were the case i love that you mentioned purchasing power i can tell you're an economics student (laughs) (laughs) but how about future plans in terms of masters has that changed anything for you personally or for any of your friends and that kind of stuff yes so for my second group of friends that i mentioned earlier yeah um they were convinced to pursue a master's in continental europe uh, just because of them feeling a need to get a broader experience uh, culturally and academically as well um for myself um i didn't have a very strong conviction to do a master's in the first place so there was there wasn't much impact on that front Mm. um this also comes as an effect of the fact that paying a very large amount of money for a master's mm-hmm. for an edu- for education more broadly yeah. speaking is outrageous for me in the first place i feel the exact same way so if i were to put it this way i would have chosen a master's in another place most definitely yeah anyway yeah, just because of that yeah yeah so because you're, you must be you'll be graduating soon uh, yes, that's true. Yeah. Two months to go, and hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, certainly. And and what is your plan, and has that plan been affected by Brexit? All right, so um, I plan to go into work. Um, I'm pursuing. I mean, I want to pursue a career in investment management. So far, I can't say that Brexit affected me specifically in a way that I could feel because I was able to get an internship mm-hmm. to get that professional experience and I want to take that further and uh, find a job uh, in a space rather than going to further education and that's in in Scotland or in Scotland um, yeah I had a chance to do an internship in Edinburgh and that was kind of a life-changing experience for me um, Nice. it's filled with like cultural insights it's a very good place to be do you, do you worry that if you were to say to stay in Scotland, in Edinburgh or anywhere else in the UK, that you would feel sort of further away from Romania or from the rest of the EU? That's an interesting question and it can have many strands to it. Mm. Um, ever since I got here, the physical distance didn't mean much. Sure. But then when you put it into perspective and you look at the hurdles of actually traveling freely, yeah. um, that could cause like some to feel you more make me feel more uh, distant 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 from it um potentially but it's not something guaranteed and you mentioned you were quite frustrated about the entire referendum and stuff like that has that changed your perspective of the uk as a country then of course the occurrence of it and the environment in which it occurred it was very disappointing disappointing but at another at another level, it didn't change my perspective of the UK. Um, it's still a place that has an, a kind of open mindedness to um, different cultures that allows you to grow here, irrespective of where you come from and what are the principles you come with. And you are being mostly recognized for your abilities and your success. So I wouldn't say that I feel a big difference in this perspective. Yeah, so you feel 
Britain fundamentally is kind of the same place? Um, at this point in time, I would say so. Um, I see it in a way that it is what you make it to some degree. Um, if you make a big fuss out of it, you'll be more affected about it. But then on the other side, if you look at what you can do to make it be better for yourself, then you would see it differently. I mean, how, how is your mood now, given that we are on the brink of Brexit. it actually happening? Um, you know, do you feel optimistic for the future or are you more, more of a pessimist or somewhere in between? Emotionally speaking, I feel bad about it happening uh, yeah. just because it might cause us to fight this disconnect. And it would also uh, drift the attention of policymakers from things that are much more important, uh, like education, healthcare, and technological advancements, and they need to deal with this. So on that front, I kind of feel really bad about it yeah. because the, the advancement could be different. Um, on the other side, um, I'm not sure. That's fine. There's a lot of uncertainty involved with yeah. Brexit, honestly. Yeah, we don't expect you to have the answers. It's kind of the prevailing sort of feeling, Theme, yeah. I think. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But you seem very calm about it. To be fair, it's not really yeah. your issue. <laughs> like, you're done studying yeah. here. It's fine. <laughs> it's a good economic student's approach. Very rational, yeah. you know. Definitely. Focus on the material. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having me. We just had Ravsan on, a fourth-year economics student. What did you think, Morgan? I thought it was interesting as a, um, as a, as a comparative point, just having Eloise before. Very much the uh, left-brain, right-brain approach to this issue. Yeah. Which is, you know, nice to play into those stereotypes. Eloise very much more on the uh, sort of introspective, the, emotional... Uh, the literature student. As, as an English literature student, the introspective, emotional analysis of, of Brexit and how she perceives of... New Britain and Europe and yeah. all of the issues are, as compared to a, a very um, pragmatic economic student who is happy that he you know he has a job and therefore yeah. it's fine. It's probably like a pretty good way to look at it if you don't want to be too confused and too unhappy about the situation. Just looking at the practical side and yeah, like and how little it actually affects you so far and how little you know as a tool to kind of combat that uncertainty that we've talked yeah. about so much to just simply do a very sort of um, material facts only analysis of what is actually going to happen yeah you know yeah. say say i'm an eu student and, and i live here what is actually going to happen well if i apply for a settled status you have some degree of security and you know then to a certain extent you can kind of say i'm fine until x point and then i'll have to come back to it and see how the situation's changed yeah i have security through the transition period and after that and then i can look at the kind of relationship that the uk has with the eu uh, in their um future in, in the in the trade agreement you look at it how it is now do what you can and then look at it once you're uncertain again you know once your trial period runs out I thought it was interesting. I like how you said trial period. Like, you, like being in the EU is like <laughs> subscribing to Amazon Prime. <laughs> no, I mean with the settler status. I yeah. decided to cancel my trial. <laughs> I'm leaving now. I meant in terms of um, settlement in the UK, but okay. Yes. But thank you. No, I thought it was interesting how he kind of looked at his friends, divided them into two camps, and then yeah. pragmatically, like, looked at why they were doing what they were doing and, yeah. and thinking how they were like some yeah. being almost mad at the uk and then mm. others accepting the situation yeah. and, and it was interesting how he do. said i was very annoyed at the way that you know yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the way that the referendum came about but um, it seemed like he processed that annoyance very well yes yeah definitely exactly he, he i think he he was very good at um differentiating between 
his opinions on the political developments and yeah. all of these different things versus his 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 changing circumstances. Yeah, the consequences of it. Exactly. Welcome and thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Malcolm Harvey. Do you want to maybe introduce yourself to our listeners just so they know where you're coming from? Sure. Um, I am a lecturer in politics and international relations. I started um, as a teaching fellow in the department in 2016. Um, Before that, I was a research fellow. Uh, attached to the Centre on Constitutional Change, um, but employed by Aberdeen University. And I was in that role from probably about January 2013. So I've been here about for about seven years, but really only teaching since uh, 2016. So, yeah, so four years now and appointed at lecturer last year. So very concerned about Brexit, I assume. Concerns a word that probably gets me into trouble. Um, <laughs> Mindful in, of it? Interested observer, Engaged. perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. um, I teach constitutional change, um, so I always have to be very careful about how mm. I frame things um, on contemporary constitutional issues. Understandable. Um, in our jobs and our and our institution, I think it would be kind of strange if you weren't concerned about, about Brexit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So far, we've talked to two students and how they feel Brexit has influenced them and their experience and possibly their future. Um, So we were just wanting a different perspective from the university standpoint and the professor's standpoint, like if you've noticed any changes or concerns in general. I mean, I think I've... I teach on on this very area, yeah, exactly. um, and so as I say, I, I've I've been quite circumspect around around saying things uh, yeah. publicly on the issue because I think I think you you have to try and and, and provide a level of of neutrality on on some of these issues. I think also largely because we don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, we we leave on the the thirty first of January, but we've been saying that for the last two or three years, and um, that we're leaving imminently, and it hasn't happened. Mm. And we've had lots of scare stories about what will happen. We'll run out of diabetic medication. We'll uh, won't have fresh fruit. All the you know the queues at, at uh, Dover and all these kinds of things. And I think the truth is that although you know there are elements of truth in those kinds of concerns, I, I think we won't really know until it until happens. it actually happens mm. what the truth of some of these things are. But I mean, I think you know rightfully people are concerned because there's. Because there's a big change coming and we don't know what it means, then we, we tend to fill our, our heads and our media and our newspaper columns with, with these concerns. Yeah. Do you draw a distinction between Brexit, the thing, and the perception of Brexit and the sort of uncertainty around kind of the, the impact that just not knowing what's going to happen is having as opposed to Brexit itself when it eventually does happen? I mean, I think there is a distinction there, but I, I do think that part of the reason... Um, that that distinction is quite blurry is because our politicians and our political classes, commentators, newspaper columnists haven't been clear about what Brexit is, what Brexit Mm. means. And a lot of them have employed those kind of scare tactics around these concerns. So, you know, your average British person, if there is such a thing, (laughs) um, is looking at Brexit and doesn't really have the knowledge or the the opportunity to find out what 
you know, what is real about this mm. and what's a genuine concern and what's kind of made up nonsense mm. about it. Do you mm. see that kind of thing borne out in the students you teach and in the colleagues that you work with? It, that's hard to know, actually. I've always really enjoyed the fact that Aberdeen has a very large international student body. And certainly when I was teaching in first year tutorials, that made my life a lot easier because I was able to draw on some of those uh, experiences. You know, trying to lean on those different perspectives because it makes the hour go faster um, when you have people talking about their own experiences. Yeah. Have I noticed that kind of drying up a little bit? I'm not really sure. Mm. Um, again, because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. A lot of, of what we're seeing, I think, at the moment is projections, possibilities of changes. But again, we don't really know what that's gonna what that's gonna look like. So I think we're we're understandably cautious about it, but we haven't come to any kind of firm conclusions about what it's gonna mean. Yeah, because that was the the main concern we noticed with the other people we've been interviewing and when we talked to our friends is like the change in the community on campus and with the professors too of becoming maybe less international and then feeling less welcome to those than that then are international and then feeling less broad for those who are from Scotland or England. I, I mean I think that's definitely right. I mean I've got a number of colleagues that are from the, the EU yeah. um, that have had to go through the process of applying for settled status and, and um, all the concern that, that goes with that and so it hasn't been a, a particularly fun experience for them doing that. There is a sense, I think, and maybe speaking for them, but I mean, I, I've had conversations and I think that the, there is a real kind of sadness about it of, you know, are we no longer welcome here? Are we going to get slung out on Brexit Day? Yeah. Um, and obviously that's that's not going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, is there a kind of sense of, you know, do, do I do I want to stay here? Do I want to kind of continue to make my home where there's a sense that yeah. I'm not wanted? And I think, you know, for a while that might be a personal feeling that a number of, of EU citizens that are working in, in the UK will tend to feel. I'd like to think we'll get over that and that we will rebuild that relationship, not just with Europe, but with European citizens that are uh, living here. But I, I mean, I think that will be a, a long process because this has been quite um, an antagonistic process. I, I don't think there's any, any way of getting around that. And so it will take time to repair those relationships. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, I hope we do because I, I you know, the, the colleagues that I, I, I spoke of, I, I, you know, enjoy their company and, and, and I enjoy working with them and I want them to, to stay here and I want them to feel welcome uh, working here. And so, I, as I say, I really hope that that, that happens quite quickly. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about just that exact issue to the previous students that we were um, talking with. Do you think that what's primarily driving people's decisions about how they see their future plans being, is that a sort of pragmatic response to the sort of their interpretation of like the legislation that's on the table or is it this more sort of ethereal kind of emotional response where I don't want to live in sort of Brexit Britain? I think there are elements of both of those yeah. things. I mean I think some people do have that philosophical but also emotional yeah. uh, attachment yeah. to, to Europe um, that says like I'm not welcome in this in this space anymore it's not difficult to defend because i understand it entirely but it's for so long the uk has been the awkward partner in europe anyway um that i'm not sure that there was at any point in the last 25 years where we were tremendously welcoming to, <laughs> to, to people that were that were coming to live here i yeah. guess but I, I mean i understand that the, the logic of it but there is also a pragmatic element of it as well you know the hoops that you may have to jump through in order to kind of continue to have the status that you had previously yes. yeah. you know 
though you might say, well, it's not worth the trouble. Um, you might consider, you know, I've I've been a good citizen. I've paid taxes. I've worked here and you know national insurance and pension contributions. I've contributed to the economy, and now they're asking more and more of me. Well, you know, I've had enough of that. I'm yeah. going to go. go so that's somewhere all, that's almost a marriage of those two different yeah, things. Yeah. yeah. The practical. Do you think that also might hurt recruitment of new professors and stuff like that with the practical side of coming here and being a teacher? I think the practical side of it, perhaps, I think also largely the uncertainty around it. We heard this a lot during the, the Scottish independence referendum in 2014 about the you know the possible breakup of the UK yeah. and the implications for Scotland and, and the economy and society and institutions and all these kinds of things. You know, some of that, again, was gear stories. Some of it was about kind of trying to persuade people to vote a particular way in, in one thing yeah. and another. But I think there are kind of elements of it that the, the uncertainty about what's going to happen next is kind of making people think, pause and, and think, well, mm. actually, you know, let's let's just kind of wait and see what happens. Um, what's quite interesting, I suppose, from the academic job market is... You know, a few years ago, maybe three or four years ago, there weren't a huge amount of jobs in, in my in my area in politics and, and international relations. And then we seem to have gotten to a phase where there are a lot of jobs in this area. <laughs> and I'm not sure if the two things are connected. And also, when, when, when I was looking for jobs, it was a case that, you know, it would be a, a very junior position, but there would be about 130 applicants yeah. for it. Whereas now, I think that's kind of calmed down a little bit. I mean, academic jobs are like hen's teeth anyway, but... I'm I mean, it does seem like there's a lot more of them available to now. And I and I wonder if that's because of what you're talking about. If some of the more of Europe-based academics are looking at UK jobs yeah. and saying, hang on, let's just hold back and see what happens. Maybe if this job comes up in a year or two years, when things have settled down, you know, they'll start kind of diving in at it yeah, again. When there's but, a more certain future. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that there will be more certainty? I saw something that you read in the PNJ saying that 2020 is not going to be the year of political certainty, <laughs> uh, as a lot of people are. But do you, on the specific issue, Brexit. I think on Brexit, we are probably moving to the end game of that particular yeah. constitutional issue. Yeah. I mean, obviously, things will run and run in terms of transitional arrangements, um, you know, new trade agreements with the EU and beyond. But on the, the substantive issue, I think we're almost there. It's almost done. So that, in, in some ways, does suggest an element of certainty. We've seen debates in Parliament about it over the last three years. So, I mean, at some point, that has to finish and, and, it's, and it seems like it's going yeah. to. Where we might get more un uncertainty, uh, which I think is perhaps what you're alluding to, is the, the potential for a second independence referendum um, and that, you know, it might be a quieter year-ish on that issue yeah. as well, given Boris Johnson's already written to Nicola Sturgeon and said, look, under no circumstances are you having this referendum. And I think on both of their parts, that is posturing around yeah. the Scottish uh, parliamentary election next year, 2021. Um, so there'll be a big build up to that and a lot of rhetoric and posturing, but really nothing happening on that issue yet. So quietish year, I suppose, in, in constitutional Quieter, politics, maybe. Well, maybe. It's, it's been a few major years for you and your field, I would say. So yeah. that's probably nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Lots of, that might also explain the jobs, to gotta say. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's entirely possible. Um, I mean, as much as I really enjoy it, I enjoy doing the media stuff and, you know, being asked questions about it and, and, and saying most of the time I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> I am looking forward to a year of just kind of having time to do other things <laughs> that is not just constantly respond to constitutional uh, yeah. questions. Absolutely. Yeah, understandable. I know that you said before that you, you tried to sort of maintain an, an, an air of neutrality on this. Do you fundamentally see yourself as kind of an optimist? 
<laughs> on on this issue and on and in life in general, I guess. I don't know if anyone that's ever met me would ever describe me as an optimist. <laughs> um, especially being a Scottish sports fan. I mean, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's no danger of being an optimist in, in in that kind of area. I think I'd largely describe myself as a pessimist <laughs> because if you do that and something exceeds your expectations. <laughs> It's much more pleasant than being disappointed it's when something like doesn't. It's just like psychological self-help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so, you know, if you go into something expecting the worst and it comes out better, then you always feel better about it, I suppose. Do you want me to relate this to, co- to constitutional questions? What a fundamental world view you have there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. Interesting. I was wondering if um, in the university and between the professors in general and the doctors, if there's been any talk about the uncertainty about research funding. I mean, I think there's always concern about that. Um, (laughs) And especially because when you're applying for research grants, you put so much work into it and the chances of success in in any given research grant tend to be quite small. I mean, you're going up against a big competition. You know, you have to put all that work in and there's a really good chance that you're doing all that work for nothing. Yeah. And so, you know, the opportunities for research grants, will they be closed off by Brexit? Um, Again, we're we're still in the stage where we don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, But I think there is... There is a bit of a concern about that. And, you know, from a teaching perspective, and I, I'm one of the, the go abroad tutors for, for PIR. Um, and so there's concern about the Erasmus scheme um, and the ability for students to go abroad uh, to Europe um, in the, the coming years on, on that scheme. I think, as far as I understand, I think we've got something sorted out for next year, next academic year. Yeah. But beyond that, we're not really sure what's going to happen. I don't think we're going to get the answers on Brexit Day, no. um, but <laughs> I think things that. will start to crystallise a little bit over the coming yeah. months yeah. and we'll get kind of some resolution to some of these questions. Do you think it'll sort of trickle in as they negotiate? OK, we've sorted the Erasmus issue, we've sorted the funding issue. Yeah, I, do, I don't... I mean, do we're I have sorted. confidence? I mean, I think, I think what, we, what we'll see is you know, them working through on an issue-by-issue basis. So, you know, someone like... I'm not even sure who's going to be in charge. I assume Michael Gove will be somewhere, but I can just have this... I have this image of him coming back from Europe and saying, right, we've made this agreement on X, Y, and Z. Next up next week is is this issue. Um, And we're going to come back with a a great deal and and sort of... Like a TV show with cliffhangers. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's the the way he tends to operate. He he, he kind of says, right, okay, yeah, we've we've, we've done this. Um, This is all good. Um... This is what we're moving on to next. So I, I think in some ways that's that's perhaps what, what we've got to look forward to. Yeah. Mm. Aren't you looking forward to have tutorials that aren't just about Brexit? I mean, it gives me an awful lot to talk about. <laughs> it <laughs> gives students an awful lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I find most helpful about it is because it's so contemporary. I mean, there's not a huge amount of theory or, or kind of academic reading that students can do about it. So... In some ways, that's massively beneficial as well because students will come to class. And like, oh, I was reading this thing on the BBC website. I'm like, well, not technically an academic source, <laughs> but I'm glad you're up to date with it. Yeah. Now, what can we learn from that or what can we apply? You know, Because mm. oftentimes, if I was teaching um, constitutional politics and devolution, you know, it's really dry, abstract no stuff. Yeah. And you know, there's no, no interest in finding out about it. But if it's happening while you're doing it, and and I'm like last last year I was teaching the class and there were Brexit debates going on in the House of Commons at the same time, and so I'd have to have the phone out because there were ministers resigning as my <laughs> lecture was going on. A couple of years ago, um, the the Northern Irish Assembly collapsed over the weekend, and I was lecturing on Northern Ireland on the Monday, so I had to spend my entire Monday morning rewriting the lecture, um, just so that it kind of made sense in the context. 
So it presents challenges when you're lecturing on contemporary issues. But I find that it it becomes much richer. The discussions that you have with students become much richer. So I'm incredibly grateful that um, all this is happening in my subject area um, and try and make the best use of it I possibly can while it still lasts. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that there's like good, reliable voices out there? I mean, you mentioned that there's a lot of perhaps the narrative that comes out of the political posturing on either side is not particularly helpful for someone just trying to understand the situation. I mean, do you think that there are good sources of information, even if those sources of information will just tell you, honestly, look, we don't we don't know what's going to happen? I think the first thing to say is if you want to know anything like hard facts about Brexit or yeah. what's happening is don't listen to politicians. Yeah. Um, I thought about this in, in regards to the Erasmus thing when they, they, there was the amendment that was rejected. Um, of course, if you're you know, in, in the Liberal Democrat camp, you're going to want to try and doomsday that as much as possible. <laughs> but the reality may be somewhere somewhat more nuanced. I, I yeah, say. and on, yeah. The, on the other side of that is if you're a Conservative minister, you're going to say everything's, everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Neither are true. You know, yeah. yeah, exactly. Best people, I would say, just now, and I've got a number of colleagues that, that work with them, are, are the UK and the Change in Europe um, organisation. Okay. So it's funded by the ESRC. Um, at the start of the, the referendum campaign, I was kind of briefly working on that project with Professor Michael Keating. Um, but people, you've probably seen Professor Annan Menon doing some stuff on the BBC. He's got a new TikTok thing that he does, which is oh, quite entertaining. Oh, wow. And um, Professor Nicola McEwen at, at Edinburgh okay. as well. But if you if you look up UK and the change in Europe, um, I mean, they're, they're, they're very much playing up. You know, if you've got questions about this, come to us for the answers yeah. because, yeah. you know, they're, they're not afraid to say we don't know what's going to happen with this. I think it's also noteworthy that if you just want information about Brexit and how it actually affects you as a student, you can go to the Brexit Help on campus. Mm-hmm. And I assume most other universities have something similar. Like, there is help out there. Just uh, have to ask for it. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, I we had a, a slide that, that the university asked us to put on yeah, our, yeah. On our yeah. in our lectures a yeah. couple of weeks ago, last week, I think, to, to kind of just advertise that, yeah. that, you know, if you've got questions and stuff, the, the university website has, has links on it. Yeah. Um, so if there are things that you want to know about what's going to happen institution-wise with, with yeah. Brexit, then, you know, there's somewhere that you can find that out. Exactly. Yeah, Definitely. No, I agree with that. But thank you so much for joining us, Malcolm. Yeah, no problem. And have That's fun at your talk later. I yeah. hope it goes well. I'll need to go and write it now. That's <laughs> well, you have half an hour. Thank you. Cheers. Thank, thank you very you. much. Dr. Malcolm Harvey there. He obviously couldn't tell us uh, that much specifically because no one knows that much specifically. But I I think it was interesting how him and his colleagues had been uh, thinking about the future and thinking about, you know, the future of the colleagues who weren't from the EU and how it might change. And, you know, the the whole focus on this period of the next coming years where there's going to be a change either, you know, well, there might be a change in terms of how many European professors you'll get and how their approach to the entire working in the UK situation will be. I would think, say, if I was an an academic from an EU country looking at, I don't know, a teaching position or a research position in a UK university, you would want to wait to see... What actually happened to The deal, the second deal, you know, because you had the... Yes. It's so so interesting how we were waiting for like three years for the, the deal, which was actually the withdrawal agreement, which is just the... Goodbye. Legal. It's not the goodbye. That's really not like a good summary of what it is. The future arrangement. Yeah. The future relationship. Exactly. Which is the actual. The actual interesting deal. Part. But yeah. 
we're going to be out. Are you excited for a Big Bang Bomb <laughs> on Brexit Day? I'm not day? planning anything on Friday. You know, I'm going to stay in my bed and cry. But no, no. Are I you sad? No, because like we've had a lot of time to deal with it. Were you sad when you heard it? It's almost like... In 2016? I was. I was You were sad. sad? Like, how yeah, sad? no. And, and I think... On a like, scale as, of 1 to 10? I was more angry and confused about the okay, situation. Okay, how about like a scale of 1 to 10, but like how negative was your emotion? Just all like of them an together. Eight. Ooh, wow. Yeah, it was quite negative. That's because, really hard. Especially because the way it was presented for us in the media was like, oh, Britain is doing something stupid, but it's okay because it won't happen. And we'd just come over the Trump election, which was was given to us in the exact same way. Like it was presented to us in the same way. Like, oh, something yeah. weird is happening, but it's okay. It won't happen. And then Brexit also happened. Okay. So it was a lot at once of international changes that weren't necessarily presented to me as a positive thing and I didn't perceive it as one either and at this point I was certain I wanted to go to Scotland or I, I was at least in the process of you know thinking about how to apply and everything and then from my family's perspective too they were like worried about it they were like oh are you sure you want to do this because they're not going to be in the EU and how is how is that might maybe going to affect you and I obviously didn't really know it also actually made me go to university quite fast, whereas, you know, otherwise I might have considered another gap year. Who knows? Um, but we were all told, like, hurry up, make the decision. So you're sure you're going to get it, you, you know, uh, the funding from the Scotch I government. I love how going to uni fast for you is only taking <laughs> one gap year. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. especially the year after me, like the graduates from that point were really stressed, like, oh, dude, right away, because, you know, it's going to be uncertain what's mm. going to happen with the funding issue. I mean, looking back on it now, it would have actually been fine. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's just so no one really knew, yeah. you know. It still, it's... it still makes me worried, but I just... I, 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 we asked Malcolm before if I thought he was an optimist or not. He kind of said that he wasn't. <laughs> you are, right? But yeah, I just kind of think it'll be yeah. fine. I think Which so is not too, very honestly. like that's like, that's not me making some kind of I think I've I've registered all the facts and now I'm <laughs> using my computer brain to like figure out what's I'm just that's yeah. an emotional response. Where I, th I think that's a good way to look at it because there's not much you can do except for wait for the information. I right? have a tiny bit a slither of faith that like in the UK government like, the politicians won't <laughs> destroy the country. Yeah, no. same though. I don't I don't think it'll be that bad. But also we're almost out of it. Like, what do you mean? In a year and a half, I'm going to be moving back yeah, home. You say we. You yes. mean you. <laughs> yeah, me. I yeah. will. Like, yeah. this, I don't care. Like, I do because it's my country. Like, I don't want it to get destroyed. <laughs> to be fair, I, I care for the international community in terms of research and in terms of universities. Like if, because if I think that is goes, actually if the UK an issue. just goes in the bin, like, that's, that's quite sad for me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Okay, but what I'm more worried about is that the UK becomes more isolated in universities and with professors and research and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That would be so, so sad. And we'd, yeah, we'd, we'd lose really a lot sad. there. Um, we have a little update about our posting schedule because uh, we are students and uh, Vicky, our producer and editor, is very busy. So our plan is to get this up as soon as possible, but then we'll start um, only uploading after probably the middle of April, but then hopefully giving you consistent uploads with about a week apart for at least some time as long as we can. Yeah, because she has to do a dissertation. And she told me earlier that what would make her really happy in this hard time is it if you tweeted and, and followed us. <laughs> Um, so spare a thought guys thank you and thank you so much for listening today thanks yeah we should also say thank you to all the people who help us make this podcast 
First of all, we obviously have Vicky, our producer and editor, Les Emilko, who does our music, Davina Stoyanova, our graphic designer. We have a new HR person, Leah Rate, who has been helping us finding guests. And then, of course, the ASR Studios for letting us use their studio. Thank you.